Hi, my name is John Kim. I'm a therapist who went through his own rebirth many years ago, and I've been documenting my journey ever since, sharing my life lessons and revelations. I believe in casual over clinical, with you instead of at you. I come unrehearsed on purpose because self-help doesn't have to be so complicated. I have a thought. I just lost it. Wait, hold on. I have a way in. I was going to say... Um, so the title of this episode is things that um, we don't want to do anymore. And uh, Paul and I are in our 50s. I mean, technically, I am 50. Paul's in his 50s. I'm in my 50s. Well yes. in my 50s. But uh, we are both men who have gone through, you know, our own versions of rebirth. And um, we've come to the point in our lives where... Uh, there are some things that we don't want to negotiate, and there are some things that, that we are no longer interested in doing. So that's what this episode's about. Oh, I was going to say, so we have all this, you know, we have Instagram Live going. I've got a, uh, like a fancy camera that's, an, that's a plug-in webcam thing. I have uh, uh, microphones and then, of course, um, the podcasting platform and then a light and all this shit. And it reminds me of um, the two dudes uh, with the bras on their heads in the 80s making the uh weird science doesn't it like like it, you know also we're in my garage yeah and i kind of like it i kind of like so weird science and uh the old christian slater movie where he uh, pump up the volume yeah where he's broadcasting a radio show from his living room uh weird science being like the nerds with the bras and trying to uh, create the the perfect woman i feel like when i'm in here like that's that's the thing i'm doing there is a mad scientist vibe Yes, yes. And I love yeah. that it's very, um, it's not, I mean, I guess it's a studio, but it's, I mean, look, it's makeshift, you know, it's, uh, I feel like it's, you know, like E.T. with uh, aluminum on, on his head, like. Uh, no, but this is, this is where content create today is being created. It's not, yeah. you know, 20 miles away in Hollywood. This is the stuff that's yes. being seen all over the world. Living rooms, Living garages. Rooms, mobile devices. Backyards, different devices. It's not theaters and TVs anymore. It's this kind of stuff. Yeah. So um, Paul is a rock star coach. He specializes in shame. Um, we collided, I would say, a year ago, two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. And uh, of course, we're not friends. And he helps me run the Miserable Fucks retreats, which has been amazing. Uh, he has his own practice and he's doing a lot of things. Um, he was just telling me a story about Costa Rica. I just got back from Costa Rica. And you could just do broad strokes. Uh, but that led me to, because he said, okay, I'm not doing this shit anymore, right? So that led me to the title and the topic of today's episode. Um, but broad strokes about uh, Costa Rica. Yeah, uh, I had to go down, help a friend out, um, literally get a boat from one side of the country to the other. And then it ended with me being able to stay in an 11,000 square foot palatial estate with an infinity pool and all that stuff. but. I used to live in Maui, used to live on the North Shore in the jungle. And so here I was back in the jungle. And my very first morning on the Caribbean side of Costa Rica, and walking through the jungle just for myself, I was like, okay, there's a haliconia, there's a ginger, there's a fern, there's this. And I hated it. I couldn't sleep well, mm -hmm. the humidity. Mm -hmm. And then as the trip went on, backpack, running here, running there, doing this, driving all over the place, I realized I didn't, like I said, 
I'm done traveling like yeah. Jason Bourne. I'm, right. I used to love it. Give me a backpack and give right. me a red eye right. and I'm out of here. Now well, I'm like, fuck it. Well, I was thinking like for, you know, say a 20, maybe even a 30 year old, um, that adventure, you know, uh, Costa Rica house with a helipad, running and doing all these things, jungle. Uh, it just sounds like you said, like Jason Bourne, it sounds very adventurous and um, exciting. But uh, for you and where you're at in your life, and also for me, because to me, all I, all I feel is anxiety when you tell me a story. Um, one of the things that, that we don't want to do anymore. It isn't. And, <laughs> and the whole time I was doing it, all I'm like, I would much rather be in a one-bedroom Airbnb in Vienna, getting ready to meet friends, have a good meal, and yeah. go look at some art. <laughs> yeah. That's all. But I mean, I walk through a national park, and I'm like, okay, there's a sloth, there's a monkey, right. there's an iguana, right. check, check, check. And all I wanted to do was be around art, be around friends. And it wasn't that I was physically incapable. It wasn't like my age was catching up to me. I could I was rocking this yeah, whole no, thing. Yeah, I was in grave shape. But it was just, it, it, it really was astounding to see how much my likes had mm. changed and mm. how much I had changed in an environment I used to thrive in. Yeah, I mean, I would rather do this. I, I would, oh, hear that lisp? I would rather do this, coffee and, and, and tea, a conversation, broadcasting this uh, this out of my garage then you know uh, go to bali for a week or do anything kind of fancy and i just feel like um i've become uh, a creature of comfort and also i think i have the ability now to seek nectar in more of the mundane and that that's been a game changer for me yeah and there's a, and i noticed a little bit of you know i don't want to bring this to to inside baseball for me, but there's a little bit of shame. It's like, why, why don't I feel, why don't I embrace this anymore? Why am I, oh, I'm getting older. Oh, I have right. different lights. Right. Oh, I'm slowing down. And you really, you, you buck that. And well, we're also, we're also not two people who are going to be at the park playing chess as we get older. No. Right. No, <laughs> right. no. there's going to be a happy meeting yeah. in there. But yeah, it was a really stark contrast. Uh, speaking of shame, what led you to that topic? Uh, if you want to, uh, uh, Paul's been on my podcast before, but um, he has a really powerful story. But what led you to shame and then helping people work through their shame? It was, somebody asked me what type of coach that I wanted to be. Mm. Um, one of the things that you are obsessed with as you're learning to become a coach and learning to do it properly is staying within the parameters of ICF and all your teachings and everything, and then picking a niche. And I really didn't have a niche, but then somebody allowed me to reframe it. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, who do you want to coach? And then that's where the whole smart, funny, tortured brand that I have came out of it. And then it's like, what do I know? I've lived with shame for 35 mm -hmm. years, shame with my sexual identity, shame about my personality, intellect, all these things that I have gotten to the other side. I don't know the way out, but I know a way out. Mm -hmm. And I looked at who do I want to coach and who would I look for in a coach or who would I look to as a, you know, within a coach. And so that's how I came to, I know shame. Um, so shame and men, I think, uh, very common. Yeah. Uh, most men not exploring uh, not uh, uh, healing, dissolving shame, but more suppressing, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So for you, uh, let's start with your definition. What's your definition of shame? Shame, as I say, shame is the shitty little henchman of trauma. 
Mm. It's like trauma has come in, done mm. its damage, and mm. left town and left this Vichy government in place to run your life. Yeah. It is a byproduct that you learn to live with that eventually causes long term damage, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. Um, how, how did shame hijack you in your life, quality of life, uh, your relationship with self? And, you know, and not so much now, but uh, when you were in it in the trenches? Um, never being authentic. Mm. Um, you know, as you say, your, your great line is, um, trading, you know, truth, Never, truth uh, for membership, yes, yes. um, conformity, mm -hmm. um, self-loathing. Yeah. Self um, that, sure. that is another thing, you know, I, I have a really dark line that re I didn't realize how much it resonated with men. I say that, you know, women die and men just break because mm. we have nowhere to go with our shame, nowhere to go with vulnerability, nowhere yeah. to go. We're told, Hey, be vulnerable, be this, be open. But there's not that many avenues for true expression. And a lot of men don't even know how to express. When was your breaking moment for you? Um, and maybe you, you, you know, we have many, but what, what, what was the big moment where you were like, okay, I, it, there's, either, there's either forward or it's over. It was, there is no reverse or redo. It was 2017. And unfortunately, I was in crisis and I was standing on the edge of a parking structure in Vegas. Yeah. Um, that one was financial shame. I had not executed on the archetype of being a provider for mm -hmm. my family and yeah. my wife. Yeah. I had, in both and also in business, somebody that I wanted to be, I did not become. So I was just like, all right, fine. I'm checking out. I've, I've, I have not checked any of the boxes. You know, when I was uh, in my 30s, married, uh, struggle, uh, struggling screenwriter in Hollywood, and I wasn't bringing in income, um, I had a lot of shame. I had a lot of shame because my definition of man was to be a provider. Uh, and, and, and she was doing well and thriving. And I was the husband with uh, dishwashing gloves, you know, picking up the dog shit and yeah. um, trying, to, trying to do everything I could. Um, but I didn't make any money. And because of that, I had a, I had a lot of shame. Yeah. Yeah. It, there is, you know, I just think about, and I actually spoke to Vanessa about this. There was, I said, look, there's a, there's a song that activated me that I felt was so harmful. And it was Sheryl Crow, Are You Strong Enough to Be My Man? Mm. Oh, and I yeah, hear that yeah, song yeah, and I'm yeah, like, well, yeah. I'm not strong enough to be your man. Yeah. I obviously haven't done these things to be deserving of you. And then it just begins to metastasize. Wait, do you think, so like looking back, do you think, uh, is that a fair, is that a fair question? Are you strong enough to be my man? Or I don't know. Like, how did you interpret that? It's really binary. Yeah. It's like, it, are you strong enough? Well, apparently you're not. You're not bringing home the bacon. Okay, you're not, right. If you're it's not tied this, to, yeah, you're not yeah, this. Yeah. Right. So apparently you're not. So moving on. And then the self-worth. And, the, and then you start, as I did, you, as I, you know, put it in a metaphorical way, is I was sliding down a hillside, grabbing at branches. Then the desperation yeah. comes. Then yeah. the big swings and the recklessness come in and the self-medication and all the other things. It really, and as I've coached in the past, you know, and I've had the opportunity and the privilege, you know, to hold space in the, in the retreats with you and everything, the commonality of suffering mm -hmm. in that regard mm -hmm. was profound. It's, it's not like, oh, there's 27 different types of shame and how people are processing it. No, there are very, there's one, two, or three that you can slot into and then it's spider webs like a windshield 
crack after that. But financial, sexual, it all can be, you know, that's where the conversation can start. Yes. And I overlap with that uh, financial shame, uh, sexual shame early on for me because uh, 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 she was Christian and very, um, had the very kind of solid definitions about uh, sex and sexuality. Um, I was a little more fluid and uh, I thought she was right and I was wrong or defective. So there was shame there. But going back to Cheryl, Cheryl Crow's uh, question in her song, I actually think it's loaded. So are you strong enough to be my man? There's a couple things that I have a problem with. Um, the word strength. Right, because we tend to uh, think strong means uh, to be the breadwinner. Strong means you know physical capabilities. Uh, I I I would like the reframe to be: Are you honest enough to be my man? But even the my piece, I don't like the possession piece. Yeah, (laughs) it's you know, can it be changed? Are you you know, will you join me? Mm, right, right. My, you know, right. being my man. You know, if yes, there's a yes. collaborative angle yeah, in yeah. it, it's it just it's essentially this glad you know this gladiatorial perspective. It's like, are you, are you stronger than that guy or that guy? Yeah, that that question out? sets us up for shame in a way that basically prove yourself yeah. by being strong. You know, and then of course, uh, and this is generally speaking as men. Uh, we're really great at proving ourselves, right? To the to the point where we break ourselves, to the point where we uh, suppress or ignore um, our needs and, and who we are. There's a huge disconnect there. And so, are you strong enough to be my man? Um, and you know, I, when I heard that in the '90s, I didn't have a problem with that lyric. I mean, you know, some would say it's romantic, but today, and looking back, uh, yeah, what a loaded question. <laughs> it is, and I mean, you know, you can really go down the rabbit hole and go. God, does that perpetuate the patriarchy? Sure, you know? of course, I mean, of course. It's like, is is yes. is a song by a woman about romance perpetuating patriarchal archetypes? Of- you know what I love about what you just said because it's so subtle, and you would never think that one lyric from a Cheryl Crow song is, you know, a brick that's laid oh, uh, to perpetuate. <laughs> fucked me up yeah. for years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Yeah, I mean, so and the ability to finally be able to talk about it with. You know, like I did with Vanessa, was freeing. It was cathartic. It was mm. like, wait, I have this, I have this thing that brings me down. Can I discuss it? And mm. just the ability to discuss it, almost academically, was so refreshing. Yeah, yeah. So, what's another thing that uh, you don't want to do anymore? Hey, wanted to share with you something I'm super excited about. If you go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium, you not only get commercial-free episodes, but also something I'm introducing called series, rotating wellness topics, but not only lessons, but what do we do with this information? How do we thread this into our life so we could change our life? Go to theangrytherapist.com forward slash premium. So real quick, Paul, um, kids are almost out of the home, right? Kids are high school kind of uh, uh, prepping for, for possible college kind of thing. And uh, you have a lot of freedom now. Um, I'm just at the beginning of that tunnel. Um, mine's only three and a half. And um, switching careers because you used to run giant festivals. Now uh, now you're coaching and uh, 
playing with a lot of things like AI, and we'll talk about his uh, latest uh, project. Um, with this freedom now in a blank canvas and uh, your mission now to help other people, um, what do you not want to do anymore? It could be anything. It doesn't just have to be in your career world, but just in life. You know, it sounds like a cop-out, but the first thing that came to mind was conforming. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Was, you know, it, that, that's usually reserved for people even later on in their lives who just are like, I'm done. You know, mm. I'm, go- I'm going to, you know, I'm going to wear a purple hat. I'm going to do this. I'm going to be the, an eccentric older person and just embrace it. I don't want to wait till that. Mm. And so now it is full acceptance of myself, the ability to talk about what I've worked through and I, I don't want I, I and I don't want to reduce it down to the banal profane of saying you know I don't give a fuck. No, it's just conformity and right. and moving past that. Right, you do give a fuck actually. Yeah, yeah, you absolutely. Do. How I want to live my life with a certain richness now. Sure. Oh, I love that. I think uh, one thing that I don't want to do anymore is um, wait for the phone to ring. Yeah. Spent a lot of my life. Waiting, I mean, you know, before the internet, because uh, there's so much freedom in this, uh, us having a conversation and, the, you know, there's no more wall. So we can actually uh, push this out to the world, our audience community. Before, before that, um, if you wanted to do something creative, it, depended, it, it, it was dependent on a lot of executives, yeses or nos, or you're just at the coffee shop with yeah. a lot of ideas. And so for half of my life, I was at the coffee shop with a lot of ideas. I wasn't able to execute. I wasn't able to hang my painting on the wall. Today I can, um, but I still have that residue, that tug from the old that says, okay, um, what, what you really want is on the other side of someone's yes or no, right? And so I learned in the last couple of years um, with some TV projects and things not working out uh, and then noticing uh, me spiraling and kind of getting depressed and like the the impact that had on me made me realize oh i'm waiting by the phone again why are why am i giving that so much power that's what i was just going to say you're handing your power over to something else yeah and so that's something i don't want to do anymore man i'm 50 i'm done with that um and, and 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 real quick this is a great example if you're not watching this uh something that that Paul created, we're going to talk about it. This is a great example of not waiting by the phone. Right. And so, and which is, which is like the, the theme and the story behind you making this, um, shame game, this, this deck of, uh, it's more than just cards, but, uh, uh, that it went from idea to conception executed solely by you and tools that's available in the world. And you didn't have to wait for someone to say yes or no, right? And so, like, that's the world we live in. And 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 the thing is that you know, we all have residue. We all have you know um, parts of our story that still tugs. And so, just I'm I know I'm taking a long way home, but um, no more waiting by the phone to ring. Yeah. What's what's another thing that? Uh, and they don't have to be really big things. It could be small things. But what's another thing that? Uh, you no longer want to do, or you no, you, you no longer you're done with. Um, uh, waiting by the phone one. 
is the big one. No, you can't take mine. You got to, you, you got to. Okay. So, so we have, uh, we, we, so we have the, uh, the, the, the Jason Bourne, uh, adventure travels, right? The, yeah, no uh, that did them, right? conformity, conformity, uh, no more waiting by the phone. Yeah. Uh, now one, one more, we'll do a few more, a few more. Wow. Think about love. Think about what are, what are some non-negotiable or friendships or, or maybe in parenting. Yeah. The, um, the friendships are mm-hmm. the ones that um, the immediate connection with is embracing immediate connection and no longer giving into seniority. Mm. You know, a good friend is not somebody that you've had for 25 years. It may be your best friend and they very well may be your ride or die. But I've made friendships in the past 18 months that these people are on the first bleacher first row of my bleacher mm. and they're they're there with penance and foam fingers cheering me on and it is a authentic connection and time is irrelevant and so embracing those connections like when you hit one yeah. you don't you don't need to go seven years to qualify as a best friend it's like if there is a connection and it is authentic is to embrace that because yeah. i mean time can't uh, I can't really take it for granted anymore. So yeah, yeah embracing yeah. new friendships is is something that has been a uh, has been really profound right now. I also feel like um, since we are in uh, what Carl Jung calls the moon part of our life, uh, crossing the great divide from I would say fifty is a huge. I think for men, fifty is kind of the you know what they call the midlife, and I would say a midlife awakening instead of crisis, but. Um, a lot of this actually has to do with age. A lot of this has to do with being in a place where you realize life is short. Uh, for example, not, not exchanging truth for membership or conformity, um, having some non-negotiables. They naturally come when, as you get older. Yeah. <laughs> you well, know? That's, I mean, I'm so glad you brought up the young thing because, I mean, he refers to, yeah, the afternoon, where we're at. The afternoon. Is, as opposed to what, the morning? Yeah, opposed to the morning yeah, and the yeah. noon is like, you know, peak life and now the sun's going down a little yeah, bit but it's not yeah. dark we still no, it's and not i mean dark. he's incredibly prolific at this time of his life and mm-hmm. but the one thing that always gives me a north star to follow is like this is a part of your life where the stuff that you learned in your teens and 20s no longer serve you yes and so when yes. you can look at it like yeah of course i don't want that information i don't want that i don't need that database anymore i need to build a new one and mm-hmm. that's just part of life it's not forced upon you it's not a crisis mm-hmm. it's not it's like God, what an opportunity. Everything's going to be, I can rewrite the book now instead of self-medicating, making bad decisions, going elsewhere, you know, letting somebody else do the hard work. It's like, oh, wait, this is an opportunity for rebirth. Yeah. It's supposed to happen. It's not thrust upon. You know, my, my, uh, so my last one, you can do one more if you want to, uh, is no more being narrow. Um, I'm, I'm at a pl- place in my life. I heard, uh, I don't know who I think was it. Eloquent? No, no, no. Who is it? Oh, Mike Tyson. Someone said on a uh, I just saw on social media that uh, oh, it was, it was Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. He said that uh, we only have. Mm, yeah. I think he said seventy summers. Yeah. And uh, it really hit me because I'm fifty, so I'm like, okay, you know, maybe thirty. Maybe I have thirty summers. And uh, I, I don't know why that landed for me, but I started thinking, shit, um, time is ticking and life is short. And so I'm done being narrow. And this is across the board with everything. So tracing any kind of blueprints, uh, whether it's how we love, uh, how we move, um, I'm just done being narrow. So that means I need to be open. And so I'm now 
just forcing myself to be open to anything and everything um, because I want to expand. I, I'm done constricting. And I think that uh, I should just bring it back to me, but I, ha- I still have a lot of um, judgments and a lot of shoulds and, and, and how something should look, right? So whether we're talking about friendships, love, relationships, business, like, you know, all the, the big life pie pieces, I want to really shake that edge of sketch and just be open to everything. And we live in a world today where, you know, technology is exploding. And man, th- this old poster of how things should be is, it just, it's dissolving. That you know? reminds me that, okay, what I'm done with, I'm done with binary thinking. Mm, right. Uh, binary. Yeah. Straight or gay, yeah. marriage, divorce, mm-hmm. uh, you know, rich, poor, mm. and live in the spectrum and know that, you know, live in the grays. Live in the grays yeah. and quit, you know, wrong or right. Wrong or right. If there is a solution that works for you that is in the gray, mm-hmm. go there yeah. and stay there. It's not a cop out. Embrace it. You know, do everything that you need to do for your internal compass to see whether you're rationalizing or just staying there because it's safe. But yeah, it, it doesn't have to be one or the other. And that's, yeah, that really reminded me of like, yeah, I'm done, done with binary thinking. And it's not just a mindset, uh, that's half of it. Then it's like, how do you actually live that? How do you execute it? So, so you pull it out of theory and actually use it to change your life. So if you decide, okay, no more black or white, wrong or right. Like, I just want to, I want to actually, uh, practice living in grays. Uh, ask yourself what that looks like for you. You know, what does that look like for you daily? What does that look like for you when you're showing up with a friend? When you, um, show, what does that look like in relation? What does that look like in the bedroom? What does that look like having dinner? What does that look like? You know, so like, because I'm, I'm really all about street, meaning how do you take concepts and theories and really bring it to street level so you are executing it in your day to day? If not, they may sound good, but they're just in between your ears and nothing changes, <laughs> you know, so the execution of these things and, and ask yourself, what are you um, no longer willing to do? What what doesn't serve you anymore, you know? And then what does it look like to execute that in your life? And what are you doing because you think you have to do it, or you've been or you've been educated up mm. until this point? Yeah, that no, that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah, not necessarily. Paul, let's talk about your cards and your creation. Speaking of, uh, you know, people with bras on their heads making things. <laughs> yeah, um, one of the things that I was a creative executive chief creative officer and esports mm-hmm. company. I mean, I had a creative agency and everything. And what has become an integral part of my coaching is using metaphor and analogy and yeah. meeting the clients halfway. Um, I use a lot of AI in my coaching. Um, you know, for instance, I have a client, he's telling me, I've, I've got this barrier. I just can't get through it. And I'm like, okay, what does it look like? And he's like, it looks like a metal door. And I'm like, okay, how do you blow a metal door? How do you blow a vault in a heist movie? And he's like, well, you put those charges around the doorway, around the door jam, and then blow them. And while he's telling me this, I'm on Midjourney, which is an AI tool that takes mm-hmm. text to image. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking for a photorealistic image of a vault being blown by successive right. charges. Right. He comes up, I text it to him, and he's like, holy shit, this is amazing. I'm going to put this on my refrigerator. So Wait, real quick. Um- What's happening, I think, now with AI, because it is controversial, especially when it comes to um, um, as a coaching tool, 
Um, I'm also still building, building some things with AI. Uh, when the internet and webcam first came out, yeah. uh, I was a baby therapist and it was so controversial. And I remember um, it was a no-no <laughs> to um, have a session with someone via webcam. You, you weren't supposed to do that. It was all about in-person. And I remember the board was against it. And when I discovered uh, Google Hangouts, and I ran this group with like six people. I remember closing my little white MacBook that my mom bought me because I was broke at the time and thinking, holy shit, this is going to change the world. And I remember everyone was against it. And I feel like history is repeating itself with AI because people are terrified and they're like, no. And, you know, especially with coaching, they're like, yeah, but we want the human. And, and, and my, my, my point is, yes, of course, the human is now more val valuable than, than, than at any yeah. time. And the AI is only a tool like the webcam was and now is. And, you know, of course, like Zooming and webcamming is now uh, teletherapy is now kind of the standard and seeing someone in person is almost a luxury. Right. And so I feel like that is happening now with uh, with AI. Yeah. The integration of using that tool, especially with coaches and therapists and healers, is that we know how to ask questions. We know how to dive deep. And mm -hmm. so that's the whole that's the whole foundation of the construct of prompting yeah. is, is writing a prompt for an AI engine, whatever, for a large language model, whatever it is. If you ask the right questions, just don't dump in a transcript of a session and then get a summary back. But if you're able to dive into it, ask it to recognize patterns, mm -hmm. ask it to recognize word usage. What other questions can I ask? Okay. Using the influences of Carl Jung, Esther Perel, give me <coughs> John, Kim. Sorry. John Kim. <laughs> And then you've got this rich 360 that you can give back to the client in your own words. Right. And you've, it really is an amazing time. Dude, it blows my mind. Uh, I'm just joking about putting myself um, in the name of, <laughs> I, see, I see Mount Rushmore. I shouldn't be on it. But listen, um, the, the, the idea of taking people that you resonate with and putting them into one space where you could pull yes. from their their like their um life work is mind-blowing there, there is a know? there is a prompting technique called room full of experts mm. and so you can mm. assemble a room full yeah. of experts of yeah. your influencers who you have crafted your practice around right and confer and it is it's amazing i mean it's like basically you're creating a playlist yes you're, you're creating you're, a playlist. playlist you're a filter to run your yeah. stuff through and and then there your clients are getting your flavor that's mm. where your unique quality is coming through because right. you're pulling from why they came to you the influences that made you the coach and the therapist that you are so yeah i mean it is a rich it's once again not sticking in the binary it's not good or bad yeah it's how you use this tool yeah. fire can burn fire can heat you mm -hmm. know it's just it's that kind of thing so you made these cards i made these cards so anyway so i created shame the game mm -hmm. and it is made up of 28 cards 12 cards that represent shame eight cards that represent the triggers for shame mm. and then eight cards that represent your essence and sexual shame financial shame generational racial and then the triggers look how beautiful these are by the way these uh paul's an artist um but these are also uh generated uh, with ai Yes. 
And so the prompting around that was uh, to keep them all consistent and beautiful. And then I modified them accordingly. So, yeah. And so you, so when you, these can be used as journaling um, tools. These can be used with your therapist or your coach as you go through them and you're like, oh, the mountain of self-doubt. That's a card there. What does that mean to you? So there are multiple ways that you can do this. And then if you are doing it by yourself, there's instructions in there of putting together a matrix, like one worth card, two shame cards, mm-hmm. and an activation card. And then there's a mobile app where you can put that in. And then this room full of experts will give you a reading. Yeah. It is for entertainment purposes awesome. only. It is not therapy, but yeah, yeah. it'll give you a reading around this structure mm. of these cards. And I found in using it with clients, it's so much easier to talk about your shame mm-hmm. in the form of like the hero's journey, a narrative, mm-hmm. a story. Instead of just, boom, these are the facts. If you get somebody imagining a world where they're the breaker of chains or they're the adaptive warrior that is going to go up against their shame, it all cracks open. It's really cool. It's an intervention. It's an intervention. And um, what I love about this uh, isn't just the product. It's so professional. I could, re- I could see this at any store. Um, but I love that uh, this was in Paul's brain. And uh, he executed, and now you could actually hold them, and you can uh, pull cards, and you could get on the app, and you could find out what they mean. Uh, all like from I from from idea to conception is, I think one of the reasons why we're on this planet. So like the representation, you know. And listen, it's also with a book, or it's also with anything else you're creating. Having in a, so the birth of an idea to me is one of the most powerful um, joys of life. Just the birth, when you have an idea that five seconds before fear kicks in, like tear gas, and you're just like, oh, I had this idea, right? To me, that's pure, pure nectar. And then there's a journey in creating because there's going to be barriers and self-doubt and all of that. Um, But when you actually are able to hold it in your hand, you know, this is the moment when um, the book before it hits the audience comes to my door and I could hold it and I flip through it. Uh, well, congratulations on, on going through the journey and executing an idea that you had, because that, I think, uh, that's why we're here. Thanks, man. I yeah. mean, and thank you for being a part of the, of this process because it was, it was that's, you know, it's been a while since I have done something solely creative, solely for myself, mm-hmm. solely from inside, not for a client, not for any, not for any event. And it was, it was the first time and it was scary again. Yeah. And, and. But it was so wonderful to be in flow state. And if mm. you had told me three years ago that you're going to create a deck of cards around shame, I wouldn't have believed it. So right. it was listening to what I wanted to do and what I would have wanted somebody to hand me in an office to sure. talk about my stuff. Yeah. So uh, This is also a great example of uh, no more waiting by the phone. Ask yourself, whether you're watching this or listening to this, um, what do you want to do that is uh, – scaring you or that you're putting pause on or you're waiting for the phone to ring or someone else's yes or no what do you want to do because there is a fire in your belly um but you've been you know turning it down into a pilot light what is it that you want to do and what's on the other side of that because it's it's less about the product and more about the inner change from you coming out the other side and giving yourself that experience and somebody will be there to receive it yes yes um I mean, look, now you can bring these cards to our retreats, you know, yeah. and you can, we can do them in a circle. Um, where can we find these cards and you? 
shamethegame.com mm-hmm. and um, Smart Funny Tortured. Uh, yep. You can find that as well. And then um, also all the stuff that I'm talking about on AI. So AI, shame, smart, funny, tortured. It's all in one place. Smartfunnytortured.com or go to shame the game. Thank you for listening. Be well. Be well.